Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 181 of the Mandolins of Beer podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. Hey everybody, how y'all doing? It's also brought to you in part by Acoustic Disc, home of the David Grisman Acoustic Encounters podcast, and also some incredible, incredible music played by and curated by the dog himself. And also when you go there, don't forget to sign up. For the treat of the week, all you have to do is enter your email and every week in your email box, they send you a link for a free song from the Acoustic Disc Library. It's always incredible, so be sure to sign up. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. Hey, St. Augustine friends and listeners, I'm going to be playing in St. Augustine on Memorial Day. Uh, I have to get the exact location. I'll be playing with my friend Brad Edwardson. We're going to be kind of doing a music of Doc and Dog and also just some old time and bluegrass favorites also inspired by that style of music. I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be in the afternoon. More details coming soon. I hope to see you there, though. Also, Michigan listeners, I'm going to be doing a house concert June 4th up in mid-Michigan area. Details about that's at a private residence, but he's going to be selling tickets for that show, and I will post that information as soon as I have it all tied down as well. This week was a real surprise little last-minute uh, interview. Drew Emmett, Leftover Salmon. Um, I really appreciate him doing the time. Drew's 33 years with Leftover Salmon and not counting the years he's been doing it before that, so the fact that he took the time to do this is truly appreciated. I mean, this guy's headline festivals all over the place. So it was great. I got to meet Drew last year at the Green Mountain Bluegrass Festival and talk to him and mentioned he wanted to do this. And I saw they have a new album coming out. So we squeezed it in this week, you know, and uh, it's a time phone call. You'll hear the five minute warning come through from uh, from the uh, leftover salmon hotlines. So uh, I tried to get as much in as possible and pick his brain. The guy's history is incredible. The amount of people he's played with. He's got some really incredible tips about jamming. And I mean, he's jammed with all the big names on some giant stages. So great advice here from Drew. Just a heck of a guy. Let's get into the sponsors and we'll get into the episode. Peghead Nation, Peghead Nation streaming video courses in mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, dobro, ukulele, and bass. You'll learn bluegrass, old time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in Roots music. PegheadNation.com features a great lineup of mandolin instructors with courses by Joe K. Walsh, Sharon Gilchrist, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Fibus, Chad Manning, and Ian Curry. Everything from beginner to advanced, they have got you covered. They've got high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab, play-along tracks, plenty of songs to play. Best part is, if you join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now and get your first month for free, just go to PegheadNation.com and use the promo code MANDOLINBEER at checkout. I am astounded by the quantity of incredible mandolin lessons that are on there that are just piling up by some of these great players. It's, man... Good stuff, so thank you to Peghead Nation. Northfield Mandolins, let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at northfieldmandolins.com. Download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. Also, be sure to follow their social media, Northfield Mandolins, at Instagram. We're going to be talking with Adrian here on Monday about some, some very, very cool stuff coming from Northfield, I believe. We'll hopefully some updates on that soon. Ear Trumpet Labs, hand-built microphones in Portland, Oregon. Their mics are beautifully designed, have great feedback rejection for live use, and the most natural tone you'll find for acoustic instruments. Check them out at eartrumpetlabs.com today. Ellis Mandolins, handcrafted mandolins designed and built in Austin, Texas. Thank you to Ellis. Man, if you don't follow Tom Ellis on Facebook, by the way, what a 
killer photographer he is. He just posted some pictures of of some birds that he took. Man, super talented guy. Tone slabs, get yourself a slab of tone. Frank and David are doing a great job getting some incredible picks into some incredible hands, and you can get them yourself. They've got all the popular shapes, sizes. You want a bevel? They got them. Speed bevel? Can do. No bevel? No problem. Go to toneslabs.com now and get yourself a slab of tone. And elderly instruments, I'm going to be up in Michigan that first week of June, and you know I've got to plan a trip into elderly. Uh, Elderly instruments is your trusted source for new, used, and vintage fretted and stringed instruments. For the experienced beginner player, their vast selection of mandolins, guitars, banjos, ukuleles, and did I mention mandolins? Includes all of the accessories and books to go with them. All instruments are inspected and set up for easy playability, and their down-to-earth and knowledgeable staff are there to help. They're going into their 51st year. They're family-owned and operated. They ship worldwide. You can visit them anytime at elderly.com. Some of my favorite people there at Elderly Instruments. So be sure to stop by, tell them mandolins and beer sent you. All right, let's get into this episode with Drew Emmett. Um, This album is coming out May 19th. Uh, I have it, but I'm not sure because it's on a big label, Compass Records, about the um, sharing of the samples ahead of time. So I'm not going to. I am going to lead into it, though, with their single Blue Railroad Train featuring Billy Strings. That's out and available everywhere. Go pre-save a copy of this new album. It's fantastic. You're going to love it. Cheers, everybody. Have a great week. Okay, well, it's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast Drew Emmett. Drew, how's it going? Fantastic. And how are you today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm so glad to uh, to be able to talk to you. I um, I'm super excited as well because your people from the uh, the promo company got me a copy of the the new album here just this morning too. Fantastic. The new album is so good. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Grassroots, which uh, which is interesting because um, you guys are kind of like the, uh, you're at the forefront of jam grass, kind of much like, you know, a new grass revival kind of was the beginning of new grass. You guys were really ahead of the curve in, 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 in the jam grass, quote, quote unquote, sort of era. Yeah, well, I guess that's true, kind of by accident. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, you know, uh, we came in, you know, into the jam band, jam grass world, you know, through the bluegrass world, you know, being being bluegrass pickers primarily, and then trying to figure out a way to to make a living playing music other than just playing the occasional bluegrass festival. So we just kind of happened upon a way to do that, I guess. So. You know, it, 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 I love how you say accidentally you didn't do it on purpose. I think that's probably the best part about it. Uh, had you done it on purpose, <laughs> I think anything that's done on purpose always feels like it's being done on purpose. And your guys' success and longe- longevity is is an testament to the fact that you guys just did it because you love it. Yes, well, thank you. We we just decided to play the kind of music we love and and hope that other people would enjoy it with us. And so it's just kind of how it how it occurred. Now uh, we were talking a little bit before we started this. I, in, in respect for your time, if we went back through your entire past of of 
recordings and albums and things like that, we'd be here for hours and hours and hours, you know? And so um, I want to touch on a few things. And I guess the first thing I'd really love to touch on is this new album because it's called Grassroots, which I think is really cool because as we were just talking about, you guys play all sorts of music. When I saw you at Green Mountain last year, you guys did an electric set and an acoustic set, both stellar. (laughs) You know, you guys are great at both styles. How'd this album come up? Well, um... We kind of had set out to to uh, just make a new salmon record, um, like we always do, writing tunes and and uh, you know accumulating enough songs for a record. And and uh, we had, we had the studio time booked with Compass Records there in Nashville, and we really didn't have enough original material for a record. We thought, well, maybe we should just do a cover record, and uh, kind of. Uh, I would attribute that to our bass player, Greg Garrison, with that idea to, you know, just uh, go back to our roots and and play some bluegrass tunes. And uh, so that's what we did. And then we came up with the idea to call it Grassroots. And we're amazed that it hadn't really been used before. (laughs) Wow, well, that's that's lucky. (laughs) Nobody's used that. And so, hence, you know, the, the name Grassroots, and it really it really does kind of sum things up for us. Um, you know, being a band with some pretty deep bluegrass roots, you know, and, and, uh, even though we are a crazy, uh, jam grass, slam grass band, um, we did definitely come from the bluegrass tradition of going to festivals and picking around the campfire and, and, uh, you know, listening to a lot of traditional bluegrass and, and, uh, so anyway, that's, that's kind of how it all came about. And, uh, it was really, uh, really fun to make this record because, you know, we knew most of the songs and it really took us about two and a half days to record it. <laughs> so we just kind of banged it out and it was super fun. Yeah. One of the things I really admire about this album is that you selected some tunes that definitely are a little bit more obscure bluegrass tunes. Uh, maybe one of the more recognizable ones that doesn't even get played often is Blue Railroad Train, in which you had Billy Strings on. Yep. Yep. Well, uh, I've always loved that song and it just kind of popped into my head and I thought, well, this would be a great one to do with Billy. Um, and so that, uh, came together in a wonderful way. And of course, Billy has, you know, uh, deep roots with Doc Watson and Tony Rice, who are, you know, two people that recorded that song. And, uh, especially Doc, he's, he's got Doc tattooed on his calf. Um, <laughs> So he's a huge Doc Watson fan, but just really great to sing that with him because it's a duet all the way through. And, and, uh, I mean, his guitar playing obviously is spot on. Um, but yeah, that is definitely not one you hear that often. Um, and we definitely wanted to do more of a, uh, an album of bluegrass tunes that you don't, you know, hear every day necessarily. Um, and, and so that, that was definitely what we set out to do. Uh, you know what's another great one on here is Fire and Brimstone, which is not really a bluegrass cover, but uh, the, the minute I right. heard it, I'm like, wait a second, this is, isn't this the Neville Brothers? <laughs> and, and it fits perfectly. And it's not, actually, a, and that version is more based on the original, which was written by this guy, this character, Link Ray, and he wrote it. And it's the original version is really kind of funky and, and raw, and, you know, we we used to cover more of the Neville Brothers version, which was kind of horn uh, centric and, and uh, you know, uh, 
Neville Brothers uh, esque, which is you know you know highly produced and and really great. And this this is more of a raw version. And uh, once again, that was Greg's idea to come up with uh, the idea to record that you know in that way. And then I had been talking with uh, Oliver Wood and. We originally were going to get together and write in Nashville, but for one reason or another, that didn't happen. And then I just called him up and said, hey, why don't you just come in and be on the record? And I think that this tune will be great for you. And sure enough, it's it's really a nice uh, a nice fit for him and, and for the two of us singing together. So my two really uh, crowning achievements for me on this record are those two tunes, especially singing with Oliver and singing with Billy. So I was really happy how those came out. Yeah, you and Oliver's voices mesh really well, too. I'm a huge Wood Brothers fan. Probably outside yeah. of, outside the bluegrass realm, I think that's the band I've seen live the most. I go and oh, see no, them anytime sure. they're in Charleston, for sure. Yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan, too. I love them. They're a great band. Great band. Country Blues. Uh, that's one that yes. says here in the notes, you learned from Hot Rise. Yes. Well, that's an old Doc Boggs tune uh, that Hot Rise covered on one of their records, and I, I love their version of it. And I'm obviously a huge Hot Rise fan, and uh, you know Tim O'Brien's a big influence on me, being my my only mandolin teacher, really, <laughs> back in the day. <laughs> um, I was lucky enough to take some lessons from Tim, um, and uh, I just always loved the haunting uh, nature of that tune and how it's very modal and. Uh, it's uh you know it's got the old timey feel, but you know but also you know it really translates to bluegrass quite well and and we do it more as an old timey kind of number with and we brought in Daryl Anger and I think he was really the perfect player to play on that. Um, plus we love Daryl and we've played with him a, a lot and you know goes back to my early influences listening to the David Grisman quintet and, you know, all the great work he did with David. And, uh, and so really great to have him on that. He really brings the old timey, uh, you know, slash progressive bluegrass, uh, you know, angle to that. And, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, it's, there's not really solos on that record on that, uh, cut per se. It's all, pretty much just you know more like an old-timey tune would be everybody playing together at once so so tim o'brien must be an, obviously an early influence playing uh taking lessons from him as your only teacher how did you uh end up kind of uh running into tim that way and, and taking lessons from him well you know i grew up in boulder um and hot rise was our local amazing bluegrass band and I got to go and see them a lot and was lucky enough to actually sit in a couple times, which, you know, as a teenager learning the mandolin was really thrilling for me. And, uh, you know, I, I went and saw them in Boulder in the, in the park there at the band shell one time. And, and I just asked him, I do, you, I was just learning mandolin and like, do you give lessons? He's like, yeah, you know, I, I give some, some lessons occasionally. And, and so, yeah, I would go over to his his place in Boulder and and sit down with him, and and uh, he would fill my head with entirely too much information. <laughs> um, and I would uh, I would record it, and you know, go home and and work on it. And he taught me some fiddle tunes, and and just kind of he really laid out the mandolin for me in a great way, and and really, I think really especially em emphasized the the Monroe style, and 
you know, arpeggios and, and uh, the way arpeggios and scales and double stops all intermingle. And, and uh, yeah, he just really got me going as, as a player. And, uh, and the other thing about Tim is that he played a nugget mandolin. And uh, I loved how his mandolin sounded. And so I wanted one and was lucky enough to, uh, to own some nugget mandolins, you know, basically because of Tim and, uh, and still play one. So, um, yeah, Tim, Tim was a big influence and hot rise, big influence on all of us in leftover salmon. Um, you know, really, truly one of the greatest bluegrass bands of all time. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, I was able to cut my teeth kind of on going to see hot rise a lot. And, uh, and what I also loved about them is that they were traditional, but they also pushed the envelope and, you know, Tim was like one of really very few players, if anybody that bent strings on the mandolin, um, which is, you know, pretty outside the box. And I, I loved that. I loved the bluesiness, you know, and, uh, I loved how Pete Warnick would use the bass shifter and Nick played the electric bass. And then Charles was completely unique on the guitar. And then they would switch over to Red Knuckles and the Trailblazers. And it was just the greatest thing of all time. I mean, I loved it. And so they, they really did kind of formulate, you know, my, my, whole, my whole deal in, in a lot of ways, along with some other influences I, I could get into as well. But they were like really one of my original influences. Yeah. Who are some of your other ones? Well, we're talking about it. That, that'd be great. Well, David Grisman, big time. I mean, I, he's probably the first mandolin player I really listened to. Um, and, uh, and then of course, Sam Bush, um, you know, Sam Bush is my all time favorite. He's, I think he's, you know, there's a lot of great players out there, but I, Sam Bush is still a king in my book. He's, uh, he's, he's the greatest and I, I feel very, very fortunate to have gotten to know him well and play with him quite a lot and record with him. And, and, uh, he's, he's like family, you know, to myself and my my family and and I just think there's nobody there's nobody like him and will probably never ever be again and uh, and he's he's a gift to the world he's he's incredible just the way he plays his drive uh, <clears throat> his technique you know his fiddle playing his singing uh, his new album with John uh, doing the John Harper tunes is is great really great love it. Um, but yeah, I can't say enough about Sam Bush. He's, he's the man. He's, he, he is the man. It's crazy. I yeah. mean, just yeah. embodies joy yeah. when you watch that guy play, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Nobody has that kind of groove. I mean, there's obviously great mandolin players and I could go into all of them, but as far as his rhythm and, you know, he's, he's told me, you know, a lot of times he's, he's talked about his, uh, his experience playing the snare drum and, and playing in a marching band and, and how he learned polyrhythms from doing that. And, and it's interesting, the combination of, of learning the snare drum in a marching band and his dad being a drill sergeant slash fiddle player. Um, and also he had uh, some lessons with a, a classical violinist uh, for, for a period of time. And those, those things, like when you learn about those things about Sam Bush, it really makes sense, <laughs> especially when his dad would say, well, 
you know, if you want to go out this weekend, you got to learn these fiddle tunes, you know, <laughs> and just, you know, the work ethic, I think, that his drill sergeant dad, you know, put into him, Charlie Bush. Um, I think all those things, you know, come together, you know, but his his sense of rhythm is, is second to none. I mean, and which is really, uh, in a lot of ways, what, what makes his playing so incredible is that he's so spot on. Um, and uh, plus, uh, you know, obviously his knowledge uh, of, of the mandolin. But uh, yeah, I've, I've, you know, been lucky enough to really, uh, really learn some things about Sam that, you know, maybe a lot of people don't don't know about. And those were some really interesting things I thought were pretty great. <laughs> you, you mentioned Sam's rhythm and you also have incredible rhythm, but you also play with a drummer. And I would love to yeah. know, as a guy who plays with the drummer, and, and by the way, um, a shout out to your drummer on this album. Your drummer's in this field is just absolutely incredible. We're very lucky. Alwyn Robinson. We're very lucky to have him. He's he's pretty amazing. Yeah, we love him. So how does that, taking somebody like Sam, whose rhythm you probably worked on at multiple points in your life, and then playing with a drummer, how does that change it up for you playing well, so I have to catch myself uh, sometimes uh, not wanting to drive the rhythm just myself because, you know, playing in bluegrass bands, that, that's what I've done without drums. Um, but, you know, so what I've had to adjust to with Alwyn uh, and other drummers we've played with is, is to lock in with them, you know, and not try to overpower the drums. Because when you got a good chop on the mandolin, um, I have a pretty pretty stout rig, and so I can get a pretty good chop out of my nuggets <laughs> with, uh, w- with the rig I'm playing through. And so I have to be careful not to overpower the snare drum. So really, I've I've learned how to really lock in with with Alwyn and and play with him, and not not try to drive it beyond what he's doing. Um, but I've also learned how to push the rhythm in a way that uh, you know I'm I'm probably kind of on the, the leading edge of the beat a little bit. Not too much, not like I'm rushing, but enough because bluegrass needs to have, you know, a little bit of that urgency, a little bit of that push because um, you don't want it to drag, you know. And so, and you don't want it to speed up either. So it's a fine line. And I did learn a lot of that from Sam, you know, the, the way he chops uh, really embodies that, you know, that perfect place you know in the pocket um that's driving the beat but not rushing it and not and not dragging so it's a fine line for sure definitely but another influence i wondered if you had and it really stood out to me when i listened to this album especially on this song but on california cotton fields which i had heard via the seldom scene for the first time is again one of my favorite tunes uh john duffy did he play an influence oh big time yes Absolutely. One of, one of my early influences as well. Definitely. A great player and also a player that really didn't care. <laughs> right. like, he, would, he would play stuff like, wow, what that, what are you doing? That's crazy. You know, and just, and, uh, but when he really wanted to play well, he was great. And he was a great kind of Monroe style player. He was great friends with Monroe. There's a picture that Jay, Jay has on his, phone he showed me is a picture of Duffy's Duffy on stage with Bill Monroe and he's got his he's got his hand over his mouth <laughs> and like who else who else but John Duffy could get away with that with Bill Monroe um, but <laughs> he just you know, he messed with him so much but you know Duffy had some 
he had some moxie. He he was he was some something. He was he was really great. Um, um, his, his mandolin style was completely unique, and his you know great tremolo, great tone. And so yeah, he was definitely a big influence. And of course, his singing, of course, his tenor was second to none. So, and seldom seen really was a big influence on on all of us early on, um, which is why it's so significant to have Jay in our band because. Boy, I listened to Jay's dad sing for years, and and you know nobody like like John Starling is for sure. John Duffy's playing is just so excellent too. So I'm trying to spread the Duffy word to those who might not be familiar because he's got some great stuff for, for sure, for sure. And yet, and yet he didn't care, <laughs> right? And right. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. It's like you know whatever, whatever, you know. And like sometimes you hear a Duffy song, like oh my god, what? are you doing and then other times like i said it would be just spot on great you know i think that he was mostly a singer he really that was his his main focus and the mandolin playing was was maybe secondary to that um but yeah a great a great player and definitely underrated and a huge influence on me absolutely i always wonder when i hear those live recordings where he's playing those just wacky things yeah, like, i would just love to see what he's doing because it's got to be he's such a showman too you know that the uh, expression on his face yeah. or what he would have been doing at that time was probably just as just as amazing as that solo <laughs> you know yeah yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> definitely <laughs> yeah and, and i was lucky enough to you know to see the early song scene and to see him play and um and eldridge and aldridge and i didn't get to see them with john starling um but I did see them right after that, really early on. Um, and, uh, you know, they're one of the original progressive bluegrass bands, obviously, that uh, that was pushing the envelope and playing Eric Clapton and Allman Brothers covers and Grateful Dead. And, and, uh, and that was, I thought that was great because I always felt like, you know, I love traditional bluegrass, but I always felt like it, it was really cool to, to push it. You know, and 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 to you know to integrate some some different styles and and, uh, and open it up. You know, and 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 they definitely embody that. You know, they're one of the first bands I really got into that that was progressive like that and and excellent. Um, so yeah, hats off to the seldom scene for sure. When you guys got together as Leftover Salmon, you know, again, you you really had no game plan. But was it was it just kind of like, hey, we love all these types of music. You know what I mean? Like the Almond Brothers, yeah. uh, you know, in, in yeah. bluegrass. Yeah. Is that really just like the general idea behind it? Yeah, you know, and uh, also we wanted to go beyond just the festival circuit and, you know, where you could play with a bluegrass band. And especially back then, late 80s, early 90s, uh, it was very difficult uh, to tour with a bluegrass band unless you were, you know, there was a handful that were touring, obviously, but um, by and large, and you know, if you were a bluegrass band, you were playing in the summertime, and you were playing an occasional art center in the winter, but you weren't, you know, generally making a living at it. You know, it was always like, yeah, don't quit your day job, you know, and <laughs> and we felt like, why not? We want to quit our day job. <laughs> we we want to do this for a living, and so that's kind of what spurred us to to incorporate, you know, electric instruments and drums and still have it be bluegrass, but bring in other kinds of music and write our own tunes and, and be able to, to play music for a living. And it just kind of developed into what this band is today. 
just because we were trying to figure out, you know, how we could, we could not work day jobs and it worked. <laughs> and it's been 33 years now. We haven't had day jobs and, uh, I'm pretty, pretty happy and pretty proud of that, but we didn't know, we didn't know how we were going to do it and what we were doing or anything, but we just knew what we wanted to do and what the kind of music we wanted to play. And we wanted to play all kinds of music. And so, Vince is like, well, let's call it polyethnic Cajun slam grass, which pretty much can encompass anything. So <laughs> right. we are pretty, pretty much pigeonholed as a band that plays whatever style we feel like. So, <laughs> yeah. so is it freeing or is it tough when writing tunes for Leftover Salmon? Uh, do you have to think of, oh, that's too bluegrassy? Or do you guys, do you guys just kind of be like, hey, you know what? It doesn't matter what we do. We've got we can do whatever we'd like with this formula. Yeah, it's it's freeing. It's it's awesome actually. Uh, you know, I'm I have you know equal parts kind of bluegrass and rock and roll in in me, and and uh, being an electric guitar player as well. And and you know sometimes I'll come up with a tune. I'm like, well, this this is more appropriate as a bluegrass tune, or this is more appropriate more as a rock tune, or or more as a Cajuny kind of tune. And uh, it's it's pretty fun uh, to have that kind of a palette, and, and uh, depending on on where I feel like a song uh, is heading, you know, I can kind of steer it that way. And the band is very accept accepting of of whatever style you know the tune ends up being in. And I mean, it's it was a dream come true for all of us to be able to play the kinds of music that we love in one band, you know, the fact that I can switch from acoustic mandolin to electric guitar to electric mandolin to fiddle on stage is it's fun. And being, uh, being somebody that is, uh, you know, kind of ADD, <laughs> it's, it's perfect. You know, we're kind of an ADD band, ADHD. It's like, we don't, it's hard for us to kind of stay in the same vein for very long. And uh might be kind of hard for some people to grasp onto when they come see us maybe for the first time. Like, wow, well, they can't make up their minds what kind of band they are. And that's kind of true. We've never been able to decide exactly what kind of a band we are. Um, but it's worked, you know, and, and it's really fun. You know, I never thought, I, yeah, I thought I was either going to be an electric guitar player or I was going to be a bluegrass mandolin player. I never thought that I could do both in the same band. And it's pretty fun. <laughs> How in the heck do you guys pick a set list? Who's who's responsible for trying to pull together a set list from all the different, I mean, incredible uh, albums? It depends. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I do the set list. Sometimes Vince will do the set list. Uh, sometimes we'll do it together. Um, I think more often than not, I end up kind of doing the set list um, just because I kind of take the initiative and I've kind of done them for a long, long time. And I feel like, I have a pretty good handle on uh, key changes and different feels and and mixing up, you know, I try to alternate Vince and I in our vocals and then, you know, I'll throw in an Andy tune here and there or a J tune now. And um, it, it's, it's pretty fun, you know, it's, and, and then when, when Vince will take over the set list, then, then it's a different feel, you know, then he's got a different take on it and uh, which is good. Um, a lot of times I have to let go of the reins and let somebody else take it because that's kind of, it's one of the things I feel like that I do in the band. And uh, sometimes I have to feel like, well, maybe it's not 
always up to me to do the set list. Maybe let somebody else do it. <laughs> but yeah, but generally I, I kind of end up doing it, which is fun. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I bet. How often yep. do you, is it ever similar or is it pretty drastic changes each show? There's similarities, you know, but we, we definitely, uh, try to mix it up. Um, and I think that Vince and I have different styles of writing the set list, which is good. Um, and, uh, and then we I feel like the best is when we actually sit down and write it together. Cause then we can really agree. Cause sometimes for each of us, you know, if, if we write it just by ourselves and bring it, you know, to the stage, sometimes, it, you know, it gets changed around anyway. You know, I'll write down a tune that Vince is going to do, and he'll be like, no, I don't want to do this. So there's a lot of audibles. Um, there's a lot of uh, freedom to uh, dismantle the set list, which generally happens. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's good to have something to look at. But um, I think it's rare if we follow the set list to the letter. When, whenever we do, I'm like, wow, we actually followed the set list. <laughs> so, but that's also the beauty of it. You know, it, there should be that, that freedom to be able to maybe call a different tune if you're feeling it at the time. Because sometimes it, the audience especially will dictate, you know, where the set should go. And sometimes if it's not a raging crowd, there's certain tunes you don't want to try to play because people are just not going to be accepting of that kind of energy or, or maybe there's a, a different groove that's called for or whatever. So I think we're pretty flexible, you know, with, with that. How long has this version of the lineup been together? Oh my goodness. Well, Greg, um, after Vince and I is the longest member, I think he's around 20 years. Wow. Um, Andy, Andy's like 15 years. I want to say maybe more. Uh, he joined us when he was 25. He's 40, going on 41, I think now. Um, and, um, Alwyn has been with us now for, gosh, I want to say at least 10, 12 years, 10, 12 years. Um, and, uh, Jay now is going on, going on three years. So, uh, pretty good amount of time for most of us. Um, and of course, Vince and I are at 33 years. Um, but, uh, yeah, Greg's not too far behind. So it's, it's definitely been a solid lineup for, for quite a while now. So that's amazing. You know, and we've had some different lineups obviously. Um, but this is, this is by far my favorite that we've ever had. So. And uh, man, you got a you got a viral superstar in the in Andy with his foxy uh, his foxy yes, videos. Yes. <laughs> yep, yep, and you know, and he's like a merchandising wizard. You know, he's <laughs> he's got all kinds of things going on, um, which is great. You know, he's got his own en enterprise, um, his own t-shirts and hats and tinctures and all kinds of things, um, <laughs> which is great. Um, and uh yeah the whole fox thing just kind of happened and it's it's huge just gone viral he's been on all kinds of tv shows and and you know he just walks out in his yard when the fox is there plays his claw hammer banjo and the fox just comes around hangs out and listens it's like, <laughs> that's pretty cool <laughs> very <So>. cool <laughs> yeah 
So yep. you you um have the rare ability, I think, to be able to sit in. I've seen so many videos of you playing with multiple different styles of bands, different players, and different on different instruments. And I'd love for some advice. You know, a lot of people just in general have a hard time jamming that seems to be a question i see being asked a lot on forums like how do you jam you know and i'm not mm-hmm. i don't want to know how do you jam but i would love to know how you're able to um approach different things like what's your kind of mindset going into to, to any sort of jam that's really opened you up to be able to do it so freely and so well well um gosh i don't know i mean i think mainly just approach it without fear and just jump in and even if you feel like it's over your head, you know, just have fun with it. Do the best you can. Um, and, uh, you know, just get, get out of your own way, I think, you know, and try not to overthink it. And always just try to make it musical and try to support whatever song you're playing, you know. And, and you know, if you're not adding to something, you're taking away. So, you know, just try try not to... Uh, Try not to overplay and, and, you know, make sure you, you don't overstay your welcome and, <laughs> and, you know, um, and always be polite and, uh, you know, play when it's your turn to play, but, you know, get out of the way when it's not. And, uh, um, and just have fun. I mean, it's always great playing with different bands. It's, it's, it's always fun. And, uh, I've had the opportunity to, play with some really fun bands live um, and stand next to some world-class people. And it's always really exciting and fun. And uh, there's, there's nothing like that feeling like walking on stage with widespread panic in front of 50,000 people with a mandolin, you know, it's like, (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty great. Things like that. (laughs) You got a really interesting uh, uh, right hand grip that you uh, yeah I, i've been told that it's incorrect <laughs> well uh, that's, that's up for debate <laughs> <laughs> like that's really not how you should be playing but yeah i mean that's just how i i develop my right hand i can't i've tried to play like the the way you're supposed to play which you know that's also uh uh incorrect to, to expect that everybody you know should play the same way and that there's one way that's right and other ways that are wrong. But, you know, I, I could never play like that classic way that you're supposed to hold the, the pick with, you know, your thumb and your index finger and, you know, curl the rest of your hand. I, I just don't play that way. I, I hold the pick with two fingers and a thumb and I extend my fingers. I don't curl them. Um, like I've been shown, like you're supposed to curl your fingers and then use your knuckle put your thumb on your first knuckle and that's how you hold the pick. And I tried it. Um, I had a very famous mandolin player and I'm not going to say who it was, um, tried to correct my, my right hand. And I tried it for like an hour <laughs> and I couldn't play. I'm like, I'm sorry. I can't play this way. I just can't do it. And he's like, okay, well that's fine, I guess. But you know, I've definitely had people, many people come up and go, wow, your right hand is, is really different. And I remember Pete Wernick was one of the first people that said that to me. Like, wow, that's you have a really interesting right hand, but it's cool. Um, and he wasn't one of the people that tried to correct it. He was like, wow, I, you have a different way of playing. And I've been told that uh, Dan Crary plays the same way. My friend Tyler Grant told me that. He was like, yeah, Dan Crary holds the pick exactly the way you do. 
Um, and it's funny because my son, who's a guitar player, um, he's really, really getting good, uh, Eli. He plays exactly the same way. And there's pictures of us on stage together, and we're both holding the pig the same way. <laughs> and I didn't show him that. He just picked it up for me. Um, but, yeah, it, it is uh, definitely a different way to play. It might have... Uh, it might have developed out of my electric guitar playing, maybe, uh, when I went from electric guitar to mandolin. But I don't know. I'm I'm not really sure why. But it's the, really the only way I can play, I guess. Well, you've been doing it for uh, success, very successfully for many years. So I, I would I would you. you know I love when people say, "Well, you're doing it wrong." Well, uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Maybe. Yep. Exactly. There's no right or wrong. There's whatever works for you, you know. This call is and scheduled to end in five minutes. Uh-oh. Please upgrade your account to remove conference limits. Uh-oh. Five minutes. Five minutes. Well, let's get into um, your gear real quick here, um, your main yeah. axe. Yes. My main axe is a 1996 Nugget F5 Deluxe, um, and uh, Mike built it for me. I waited about four years for it, and uh, I'm so pleased to have it. In fact, I just mailed it to him, which was very nerve-wracking. He's going to put some Waverly tuners on it for me, but he's got to reroute the holes to do it. So I just mailed that off yesterday. I'm like, okay, please, please make, make it safe. <laughs> yeah. but that's my main my main axe. I also have a San Juan F5, which I love. My friend Bobby Winteringham built for me, and it's blonde, and I call her Blondie. And uh, that's also great mandolin, and uh, but I do probably play the Nugget more um, more than the, the Sam One. But uh, I'm very very lucky and very happy to have a Nugget because uh, um, they have become very hard to find and very sought after. And uh, and uh, I'm hoping to uh, to get another one one of these days. I did have two other ones. I sold one to Jeff Austin, uh, which was the one. Uh, he was playing at the end of his life, and uh, that was also a, a good one. And I had an A model for a little while too. But yeah, so that that's my main axe, and uh, it it's great. It just keeps getting better and better. So I, I love it. And I've got a uh, a Bags Bridge pickup, which they don't make anymore. Uh, which Nuggets sent the bridge top to Bags, and they put the pickup in, so it sounds great. Oh wow! And then I play. Yeah, and so it, it's a very powerful pickup. And then I play uh, through a Grace preamp. Well, that's great. Well, I don't want to, I know we're running out of time here. So the, the, the last question I have for you is do you have a favorite beer? Uh, Modelo. Mm-hmm. I love Mexican beer. I love light, refreshing Mexican beers. Um, I used to be more into the heavier beers, the IPAs and fat tire and whatnot. But as I've gotten older, I much prefer a lighter, refreshing, crisp beer. Modelo's and probably Corona's are my favorite. Uh, I'll take one of those ice cold anytime. <laughs> exactly. Yes. In an ice bucket on a hot day. That's right. Nothing beats that. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. Well, Drew, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate My it. My pleasure, Daniel. And uh, congrats, pleasure. congrats on the new album. And I hope I bump into you again here uh, this, this year. I'd love to, to say hello. I hope so. Maybe we'll pick. That'd be great. That'd be great. Awesome. Thank you, Drew. You bet. My pleasure. You have a great day. You too. Cheers, buddy. All right, thanks so much for listening. Thank you to Drew for doing the podcast. Don't forget that album, Grassroots, comes out on Compass Records on May 19th. All right, have a fantastic weekend, everybody. Cheers.